You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Oh, hi. Hope you're staying warm out there today. Yeah, nice weekend to have all of these big stars in town. And I guess to, uh, I guess, reinforce the stereotype that Canada is just so dang cold. I was uh, just mentioning to Ted that um, I lived in Winnipeg for two years. And not that you ever really get used to the cold out there, but I got uh, a little bit used to hearing, you know, wind chill of minus 30, wind chill of minus 40. Uh, and, and so it doesn't terrify me as much as it used to. Still not amazing, but uh, hopefully you're staying warm when you head outside. But it, the sun's out. That's kind of nice, isn't it? Trying to look on the positive side. Uh, Valentine's Day tomorrow. Uh, not a day that I've celebrated much. And, you know, truthfully, out of when I kind of like informally chat with my friends, it's not a day that most of them seem to get excited about or or celebrate. So I don't know if that's just my little circle of jaded friends, but uh, curious, if you're doing something for Valentine's Day, text in, let me know, 71010. You know, maybe it's a really um, special day for you. I would like to hear from some people who actually enjoy it because I, I can't say I do much. Um, earlier this week, I'll just let you... Earlier this week, I did this uh, lecture, a guest lecture at Ryerson, and that's where I went to school. I was in radio and television arts, so I was asked to do a guest lecture. And the crazy thing about it is once I started trying to figure out how I was going to entertain these kids for an hour, I was really nervous. I had a lot of anxiety going into it because I had to prepare some sort of presentation that I wanted to be interesting and entertaining, and these are like second- and third-year students. These are students that were... Truthfully, they were not born yet when I graduated Ryerson. So, you know, I do all kinds of things. I, you know, I do live TV. I'm a, I do events. I kind of am running around doing con all kinds of things in front of large audiences. But the idea of standing in front of a room, uh, you know, in front of a 30-odd 20-year-olds really terrified me. Anyway, I think it went okay. I rambled which I'm pretty good at. And then afterwards, it was really quite cute. A lot of them wanted to take a photo. Um, but why they wanted to take a photo is because they said, oh, I grew up watching you, which kind of broke my heart because in a way, I feel like we're kind of the same age. Like, I feel like they look at me and they're like, she's really cool, I'd hang out with her. Not, she looks like she's my friend, my mom's friend, that sort of thing. Um, also something else, there was, um, as some of you know, because I've talked about it a little bit, uh, I'm part of a group that is privately sponsoring a Syrian refugee family, and we've been, like many other groups, just waiting uh, because we haven't had notice of when our family will be arriving. And we feel pretty ready. We fundraise, and, and we did quite well. So we're ready to welcome this family when they arrive and help them settle in. But as you know, and there's been a lot of news stories about this, there are a lot of government-sponsored uh, Syrian refugees in the city who have been um, housed at various hotels around the GTA. And for a lot of them, and this is where I will slag the government a little bit, there's just not enough resources. There's not enough people to really help them with what they need. And there was a story um, that uh, someone sent me that was, uh, it's on the website for the CBC, and it profiled this young Syrian refugee, 29-year-old single male. And he's a bit rare because um, the government had decided not to bring over many single men. It was mostly going to be women and families. So he um, has ambitions of being a journalist. So we read this story, and then there's also uh, a way that you can help and volunteer. And that's sort of the point of why I'm telling you this, is 
even if uh, you know you are not able to sponsor privately sponsor a family yourself, you can volunteer to kind of match up with someone and maybe uh, just take them out, show them around. If they've got kids and you have kids, you can maybe take them skating just to kind of um, it, basically it's kind of like a buddy system. It's like saying, hey, you know what? I've I can find a little bit of time to maybe help this family, even if it's something like driving them around for a day to look at apartments because they don't have a car, they don't know the areas, so they do need help because they can't. They're not staying in these hotels forever. Um, they need help finding housing, but they don't know the city. And I can remember not knowing the city very well, still years into being in Toronto. Um, so things like that are useful. You, you know, they're short on some things. You know, if they have kids, they may need things like diapers or baby formula. So if you feel that you want to help, and the reason I say this is because whenever I post something on my Facebook, I get a huge response from people that are sometimes acquaintances, sometimes total strangers, who say, I would like to help in some way. How can I do this? So you can email. There's an email here if you want to um, volunteer or maybe get matched with a, a family or someone who is staying at one of the hotels. Uh, and the email is hostrefugees, so with an S at the end, at gmail.com. So the young man in this story, he's 29 years old. His name is Hattie. He um, was thrown in prison and tortured because he was documenting and putting up online on YouTube uh, a lot of the violence, the the murders and the attacks that he had witnessed. And he watched uh, his brothers and his uh, father be killed. So he was, at, and he showed me some of the footage and it was very graphic, some of the things that he has seen. So he's here all by himself. He hasn't seen much other than Chinatown because that's where the hotel is that he's staying at. And he's been there almost two months. And um, and so some of the people in my private sponsorship group thought, well, hey, we're waiting for our family to arrive. And, you know, we could definitely take someone, someone out and show them around. So one of the ladies uh, had us over for dinner last night. So that was the first time we met him and uh, without a translator. So we were, you know, trying to share our English. And he was trying to share a little bit of um, Arabic with us for when our family arrives. But it was a really great night. And again, not a huge commitment. So this is why I'm, I'm sharing it with you. And uh, you can always reach me on on uh, my website too if you have questions about that and how, if you want to help out. But anyways, moving on with the show. Um, if you, I don't know about you, but like with Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, I just feel like I'm seeing more and more photos of people who are, who've got like their own little chickens who are posting beautiful photos of these like colorful, um, fresh eggs. And I've always had this romantic idea that it must be really nice to have your own chickens and walk into the backyard and just have like fresh eggs for breakfast. And in my mind, it clearly works like that. And there's like no work involved. Um, but I, I hear there actually is. So what does it take to actually raise your own chickens? And the, I mean, another question too, that's very important is, are you able to do that in this city? Well, my guest, uh, Signa Langford, she's a food writer, professional cook, author of Happy Hens and Fresh Eggs. She's gonna answer all of my questions. If you do have questions about um, urban farming, backyard chickens, eggs, uh, Signa's here for most of the show. So you can feel free to text in at 71010 if this is something that you have thought about doing, um, then, uh, yeah, text in, 71010. So, Sita, you've written for the Globe and Mail, National Post, uh, Food and Drink. So yeah. I know you through the food world. Yep, absolutely. Uh, lots of food writing, and we've been to lots of parties together, yeah. <laughs> lots of 
lovely meals. <laughs> and I see, um, I see your great photos of your chickens and then your eggs. Like when I, I go home to um, Halifax to visit my mom because they work at the farmers market. Oh, I see all always... the pictures from your <laughs> yeah, and so, that ice cream. Oh, from my trip to my trip to Taiwan, the giant ice cream. Yeah, so Instagram at Pei Chen. I'm there. But <laughs> see um, the ice cream. I love, I love the farm fresh eggs. Yeah, it's and lovely. Eh? Well, one thing is that they're just beautiful. You know, they taste fantastic. So you, are as you well. getting them at a farmers market, or your folks have chickens? My no, my folks uh, because they work at the farmers market. They often oh, do the barter system, nice. and so they often have nice. the farm fresh eggs in the fridge. Nice. Um, but. So we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about what you need yeah. uh, when it comes to you know having backyard chickens yeah. and things that you need to think about. It's yeah. not. Don't, it's not just a matter of buying chickens and then they're good. Yeah, don't just rush into it. Um, and we'll also give we'll also give people some great tips about eggs because eggs are just they're kind of the perfect food in many they ways. They are because so perfect. They're they're inexpensive. Yeah. They're um, even the fancy ones. Even the fancy ones. Okay. You know, high in nutrients, good source of protein, all of that yeah. stuff. But and later on because when I was going through your book I thought there were a lot of things that I was learning about how I was cooking my eggs and I was kind of ruining them in some uh -huh. ways oh and most people do ruin their eggs <laughs> I'm sad to say well True. and I, I do like how much you enjoy butter oh, um, so let's, okay how long have you been how long have you had your chickens oh boy I was looking at my pictures and trying to go back by looking at the dates and seeing when I first took a picture of a chicken um I think I've had them now I would say getting on 10 years Wow. And I want to point out, too, that it's not that you have a giant farm or huge property. Oh, no, You've got no. a little house, I, I've got right? a little tiny house. But my property is way bigger than my house. <laughs> it's one of those funny little properties right downtown. Um, but uh, I have only between three and five girls at any one time. Okay. Um, right now, I think I have... I, I can't last count. Maybe five at last right. count, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, it's not a great big farm. It's, it's an urban backyard, and um, they don't need a lot of space. Like they really don't. Well, I guess that's the that's the charm because yeah. uh, for most people who who are listening, they don't have a lot of space. Yeah, right? exactly. So, uh, and and you kind of think, well, farming. People often yeah. assume that that means you need a lot of property. But it's not really farming, and I, and I don't even I'm not I'm not even a fan of the expression urban, urban farming. farming. No, because that makes real farmers lose their minds. Like <laughs> just like uh, yeah, no, mm -hmm. no, because I was up at four lambing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So no, you're not farming. You, you've got a few chickens. They're like pets with benefits. They live outside, but they give you something, and you like them, and they kind of like you, and. And everyone's happy. It's not farming. <laughs> so here's the main thing, though. Um, is it legal in Toronto? No, it is. It's still against a bylaw. There still okay. exists a bylaw. It's not that it's a. It's not a criminal offense. I know people oh, hear right. legal, right, and they think, oh, I'm gonna go to jail. No, yeah, I'm wondering if you're breaking the law. Not, you're not breaking. You're breaking a bylaw. Well, and there's so many bylaws. And there's so many bylaws that we probably all break on a daily basis without even knowing. <laughs> so it's not illegal. There's a no, bylaw. There's you're a not bylaw. supposed to have them. That's right. And but the bylaw's have... fairly new. Too, you know, okay. the bylaws only from 1987. So you managed to get away with it for a decade because because my neighbors are are totally well. They're very cool with it now. They didn't even know for the oh. for the longest time okay. because they don't make noise because they're not smelly because they they just you know we were flying under the radar. <laughs> Uh, kind of a yuck, pun yuck, as well, yuck, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, but there are quite a few. There are a few cities in Canada where it is totally fine. Oh yeah, and totally sure. Legal. I mean, start that end. Uh, start in the west end and uh, west coast, and yeah, 
Van uh, Vancouver, Victoria, mm -hmm. it's allowed. Um, of course, lots of little towns between, yes. uh, but the big ones, mm -hmm. Montreal at the other end, it's allowed. Um, Edmonton just did a pilot project okay. with it and it went well. Um, and they're going to start introducing it. Um, it's it's allowed around Toronto. You only have to go out as far as uh, Brampton, Niagara. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So up there, it's totally fine. Although, okay, so we will tell you more about how you can do it in the city with good neighbors. Yeah. And, uh, and more tips. So if you have any questions, you can always text in at 71010. But right now, we will take a look at the roads on this frigid day with News Talk 1010, Time Saver Traffic. Oh, Turn my mic on. That helps. Thanks. Mike Catherwood, champion technical producer. Thank you very much. Uh, have you ever wondered what it takes to have your own chickens or to get fresh eggs every day? It sounds really dreamy. It can be done uh, if you plan carefully. So Signa Langford is here. She's a professional cook, food writer, and author of a new book called Happy Hens and Fresh Eggs. Uh, you've also got a lot of great celebrity chefs who've contributed mm -hmm. recipes. Yeah. All kinds of great uh, egg recipes. I think... A lot of people probably when they think eggs are like egg salad sandwich, deviled eggs, scrambled, scrambled like very breakfast food. Yes, but there's yes. a lot of a lot oh. of ways to enjoy eggs. Yeah. So we're going to talk more uh, later on about uh, tips as well because I bet you're making a lot of mistakes with your eggs and if you, you don't even change, know it and you don't know and if you change one little thing you'll be it's completely dreamy. So you yeah. can text in if you have questions uh 71010. Now Signa you live in the city yep. and you do have a, a little yard and that's why you're able to have a chicken coop and yes. have your Yeah, uh, I've got a backyard. Yep. Um and that's where they're kept. I have a front yard too, but we don't put them out, you know, on public display. Right. So they're in the backyard <laughs> and they've got their own coop and mm -hmm. a run mm -hmm. uh, covered. Um so uh they're they're nicely sort of tucked away and they're not a bother to anybody. Now, how do they handle days like today? I know, it's crazy, right? Yeah. It's like, is what is concern? it, minus 38 with the wind chill mm -hmm. or something? So I uh, I actually put a little heater in there. And oh, okay. Just, I don't turn it on except for nights like last night. Right. When I figure if my pipes are freezing in the house, mm -hmm. their little gams are getting too cold. So. You know, I put the thing, so I put it on last night and then this morning I thought for sure they would just want to stay inside in their coop and keep warm. But I opened up the door and they all came flooding out and I'm like, what is wrong with you ladies? <laughs> but you know what? They're wearing down coats. Oh, that's true. You know? Yeah. They've got feather <laughs> so, coats on. Yeah, they're outside. They want to be out. So you, you're, you have about five chickens yeah, five right, right now. now. I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, so basic things, how many eggs do you get? Depends. Okay. Because they go through cycles. It's not like um, how they've been sort of turned into little machines in the industrial egg production. Mm -hmm. um, I let my girls go through their cycles. They they slow down when it's too cold. They slow down laying when it's when the sun isn't shining enough. Um, they slow down when they're molting. All that sort of thing. So it depends. Like right now, I'm getting three eggs a, um, a day. Or so. Okay, so they don't necessarily all lay an egg uh -uh, every day. No, okay. no, and but I always well, mostly I have enough. There are times if they all start molting at once, and then it's just like I've got a, a, bar, a garden full of slackers and I've got nothing, and I'm <laughs> I'm like seriously, I'm going to I'm I'm going to the farmers market for eggs. Seriously, yeah. Ugh. You're like, Come why on. am I even feeding you? Come on, ladies, <laughs> step it up. it up. Um, do you need a rooster? No. Okay. Everyone thinks you need a rooster to, to get eggs, but you don't. Because I, I always like to say, <laughs> this makes my nutty friend Elizabeth nuts. Um, do you need a man around to ovulate? No. No. 
don't. So you don't. You just have the ladies. Hens ovulate, Mm -hmm. and that's laying an egg. And they don't need a rooster. You only need a rooster if you want chicks. Right. Okay. You want more chickens. All right. What about? Uh, so we've covered off a little bit about the noise because we mentioned yeah. before the break yeah. that yeah. it's. Uh, well, it's the roosters that cockadoodle do. Right. But the hens themselves are fairly well, quiet. They cluck a little bit. Yeah. Um, they do have a loud warning call. Okay. You know, should something upset them, mm-hmm. uh, they will let me know. But your neighbors, you've got cool neighbors. Oh yeah. It, you know, I think a lot of this depends, totally on, depends on your neighbors, on the neighbors, right? And also in terms of the bylaw, from what I understand from the, and I've spoken to them, from what I understand from them, uh, it's a kind of a um, don't ask, don't tell. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, sure. Ruin that now. Um, but uh, what yeah. about the smell? No, they, It's it's all about cleanliness. It's it's about being a good. Hen keeper. Okay, so this is my thing. Is like you can't. Have you ever walked into someone's home who has a dog and uh, they never sweep and yeah, it just yeah, smells yeah, and it musty? smells like dog. So my whole thing is, if you are a clean pet owner, yes. then you're fine. But yeah. it's the same with like people who have gerbils and they don't clean the cage Ugh. and there's poop or, everywhere. Or, or if you don't do the kitty litter box often yeah. enough. Yeah. So if you that's are a nice, good pet bad. owner, yeah, and you need to, do you need to so clean them out every day or what? It depends. In the winter when it's cold and and the the poop freezes it instantly. Yeah, so you got a, you know, <laughs> poopsicles all over the place, right? You can't smell anything. Mm-hmm. It's in the summer where, you it know, warm when it's and... warm and, and, and humid and then you do, you can, it can get smelly, but you do, you just keep it clean. You, I go in there and I, I actually do a little five minute cleaning every day. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you might scoop the kitty litter every yep. day. And then once a week, a better clean. Mm-hmm. And then a couple times a year, a big old, hose it down, scrape it down, you know, empty it out, you know, top to bottom. And that's more than most people do to their house. (laughs) Maybe, but, you know, the house has plumbing. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) You know what I mean? Except on a day like today. (laughs) Um, Someone just texted in a a great question, uh, wondering if their pet cats would harm the hens. And someone else had asked about raccoons and foxes. So uh, we should mention that it's not a matter of just leaving them in your backyard, right? No, no, they have a run. Mm -hmm. They have a coop and they have a run and both of those can be locked up tight as a drum. They also get to free range fully in the backyard if I'm home, Mm -hmm. which I am a lot because I'm a freelance writer, so I'm home. So they get to free range most of the time. Um, If I go out, I lock them in their run, not in the coop. And um, What is the run? Is that So the run is a a fenced-in, covered completely contained Mm -hmm. so nothing can get in and they can't get out okay but it feels like a big open space like a dog run imagine a dog run but with a roof okay and they've got a clear plastic roof so they can you know that corrugated plastic so that they have light and there's a breeze coming through and it's all good um in terms of raccoons, yeah, they 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 want the chicken dinner just like anybody else, mm-hmm. and they will go after them. Same with coyotes, foxes. What, if you're living on a ravine, you have extra pressures. Mm-hmm. Um, up above, the hawks come down and look at the girls too and think, hmm, that looks tasty. Yeah, but you know, a little bit big for uh, the kind of hawks we tend to have downtown. Yeah. So um, I've I've watched the young coopers and the young sharpshinned and red tails. Looking at them and thinking, I wonder if I could, but they don't even try. They kind of think about it, but don't try. Um, in terms of a cat, mm-hmm. cats and chickens go way back. If you think every farm barnyard you've ever seen, mm-hmm. chickens running around and cats for the mice. They 
they know their place and okay. they know that uh, a cat doesn't stand a chance against an angry no. Is that no. right? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> All right, we're going to continue our conversation about uh, backyard chickens and fresh eggs. Lots of great tips for you coming up. My guest is a professional cook, food writer, and author, Signa Langford. So she's going to stick around. Thanks for your texts. Uh, 71010 if you have more questions. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Taking a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Hope you're staying warm today. Welcome back to the show and hope you're staying very warm. My guest is uh, Signa Langford. She wrote a book called Happy Hens and Fresh Eggs. She's a professional cook, food writer, and uh, author. Now, you have, we've determined, about five hens. Five yeah. hens, not yeah. about. You actually yeah. have five chickens. Yeah, but, I'd uh, have to do a name and a head count right now, but I think we can just say five. <laughs> now, how long do they live? It depends. Okay. They, they really... I'm thinking in in nature, I bet you they could live like, you know, like a beautiful Indonesian uh, jungle fowl could probably live into like 12 or something like that. But I think in 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 the world with with all the laying and all the sort of engineering that we've Mm -hmm. done to them in terms of their, you know, we've taken them from a, a wild bird to this domestic thing in the same way that your chihuahua used to be a wolf. <laughs> Whoa. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so these chickens that we have now, they, they tend to not live terribly long. Okay. Um, I've had some that have lived uh, to around seven or mm-hmm. eight, which was really old. Okay. And they don't lay eggs for all of those no, years either. No, I think no, that's no. something else we should Absolutely not. They do clarify. go through, I like to call it Hannah Paws, mm-hmm. and they're done. And then what do you do with them? Then they just get to live out their retirement because, you know, really, I'm not in the business of eggs. Yeah. So they are They're your pets. pets with benefits. <laughs> do you eat chicken? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> yes. Not my own girls. No, I didn't think so. But I wondered but sometimes, what, what that was like. Um, I, I'm finding it as with every passing year, harder mm-hmm. and harder mm-hmm. to eat chicken. Okay. And in fact, I, I, I had been, uh, I had taken one of my girls to the vet. And it had cost me a fortune, and I vowed not to take my girls to the vet. But it was right after the book came out, and yep. she's she's my she was my beautiful cover girl. Like, mm-hmm. and I just thought I can't let her die. Yeah. So I took her to the vet, and I dropped a paycheck mm-hmm. at the vet. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. And then I was um, at the grocery store, and I was doing my shopping, and I was looking at the prices between this brand and that brand of chicken broth, and I nearly I just wanted to slap myself. I like you just dropped. A couple hundred bucks on a chicken at the vet. To to save it. To save its life. And now you're standing here in the grocery aisle picking, <laughs> I'm going to save 20 cents if I buy that chicken. Bro- I'm, ah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's wacky. So I keep thinking, you know, in a perfect world, I'd be vegan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in yeah. a perfect world. It's, it's a challenge. It's I mean, very challenging. But... And I do enjoy the meat. Yeah. But I don't eat chicken unless I absolutely have to. Okay, so point. it's not an everyday food for no, you. No, it's not. Um, so let's talk a bit about, so the, the book is all kinds of great recipes, personal stories, and great tips about having your backyard chickens. Yeah, and eating eggs. And eating <laughs> eggs. Yes. Now, um, the the recipes are great in there, but I know there's, there's a lot of little tips, like sometimes fresh is not always best. Well, it's, it's best in terms of flavor and nutrition, but it is a hard, hard thing to peel a fresh, hard-boiled so egg. So when I boil eggs and I'm having... Tr- sometimes it's a dream. You peel it and the shell just comes yeah. off in like a couple of big pieces. That means that eggs 
been sitting around a while. Okay. So, but that's not bad. No, it's still perfectly fine. Eggs have a long shelf life. Really, they do. How long? uh, Actually, someone texted and said, how long is it safe to keep eggs in the fridge? Oh, you can keep them there like months and months. But there's um, a, when you buy them at the grocery store, they usually have like a month-long expiry yeah, date, right? Yeah, those expiry dates are a whole other radio show because that's a bit of a conspiracy too. Okay. Almost like a built-in obsolescence, make people right. throw it out and get new when you don't really have but to. But you know what? If you have a carton of eggs, I feel like it would be weird if you had them for months. Exactly. Like, I mean, if, if you don't eat eggs that often, then don't buy a carton of eggs. I mean, yeah. if you have a... 12 eggs sitting around for anything more than, to me, a couple weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> and buy them in sixes. Right. Um, Good because, point. you know, but anyway, but you can keep them. You can. So when you're uh, peeling eggs and sometimes you peel them and then chunks of the egg are coming Ugh. off and it's really hard to I know, and that ruins your whole deviled egg plans. It, well, it just frustrates me because it takes yes. forever. That's because they're too fresh. Too is that fresh. It? And okay. what's happened is the, the membrane, mm-hmm. there's a, you know, that kind of yeah, p- papery that little skin, skin that's kind of between, between the, the egg, egg and, the, and the white. Right. That's the membrane. Um, in an older egg, some air has gotten in between mm-hmm. the membrane and the shell. So it just pulls away. Uh, in a fresh, fresh, fresh egg, that separation hasn't started happening yet. So what you can do is, and some people do this. Mm-hmm. I, I've asked a lot of people when I was researching uh, researching that bit in the book because everyone has. If you go on on internet, you'll find about fifty different ideas that people have for peeling super fresh eggs. Oh, I know. I've read them because yeah. I worked on a food show and we were trying to figure oh out what worked God. or not. So it was like the baking soda, adding some yep. salt. I've adding... tried all of it, but you know what I find really works? A drop of vinegar. A drop of vinegar in the water? In the water when you're boiling them because an egg is calcium, mm-hmm. vinegar is acid. It chews through the calcium a little bit, just enough to let some of the water through. Oh. Just enough to let, like, like microscopic, like at the tiniest yeah. level possible, you get a little bit of that. And so it gets between the membrane mm-hmm. and the shell and it creates a bit of a space for you. Okay. So you, then you can peel. But the other thing I saw um, when I was doing the research, it was really neat, is like, I'll do that. I put a little vinegar in the water. Okay. And I'll dump most of the water out of the pot mm-hmm. and I'll put the lid on the pot and just shake like mad. Oh. And let it sit again for a couple more minutes in yeah. there. And then when I'm ready to peel, boy, it really comes off. Oh, really? Yeah, it really comes off. Because um, I, my mom used to own a sandwich shop, and I used to sometimes have to peel oh, like six dozen that eggs. that was the job. And it was the worst when you got those eggs where you were like picking off tiny little oh, bits yeah. of, the, frustrating. of the membrane. It was, yeah, it was very frustrating. Which yes. Is, well, fr- anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway. Um, now, when you... Uh, when you are cooking eggs, yeah. I noticed this. I feel like people are used to scrambled eggs or omelets being like pellets. Really, pellets. Really well cooked. No, is what it makes I was me going crazy. It's so sad. Oh, it, okay. It's so sad. Because, what, is a, what is it supposed oh, to be like? Oh my God. I see people making scrambled eggs and there's these little tiny yellow pellets in the pan and they yeah. bounce when they hit the plate. Yes. It's just tragic. <laughs> Because they're no. supposed to be a little creamy, oh. but is that because you're adding a lot of cream? Or no, you're adding... you add no cream. But okay. what it is is okay. So, if you want to know how to cook eggs right, just go back to the French. Like, go to Escoffier. Go to that sort of classic French treatment. So it's it's a perfect ingredient. An mm-hmm. egg is true. A, a proper fresh pastured egg. It's a perfect ingredient. It doesn't need much more than a bit of salt, maybe a bit of pepper and some chives if you're feeling crazy, uh, and butter. Okay. And I like to do the ratio that Julia Child um, was a fan of, which is 
one tablespoon of butter mm-hmm. per egg. Ooh. I know. Almost it's almost half an hour. How hot is your pan? <laughs> like are you on high heat? No, no, are you no. on medium? When I'm low. doing um scrambled eggs, mm-hmm. I'm doing it on medium, medium, low. I'm doing it oh. low. Um around medium and I'm yeah. using cast iron mm-hmm. so it's nice and even and and a, a, a soft a gentler heat yeah and um I put the butter in first and I I if I do a two egg scramble for myself it's mm-hmm. two tablespoons of butter yeah and then the eggs go in and I like a drop of Tabasco in mm-hmm. because that's how my father taught me and just some salt and um I st- turn the pan off well before they're done Okay, because they're still it's still hot. The pan they're it's still, still cooking. Hot. They're still hot. The pan's still hot. They're they're going to keep cooking. And by the time they make it to my plate, there's still a lot of wet bits. Mm-hmm. Like it's still wet. It's not it's not small pellets. It's still big. I don't know. Big curds. foldy curds. Yes, kind of bigger than curds almost. Mm-hmm. It's really really wonderful. And the same thing with an omelet. Um, the omelet baveuse. It's a French omelet. It's the traditional way. And it it wasn't ever this half moon thing right. that yes. we have at that the, the Denny's yes. Grand Slam there or whatever, right? It's those things are terrible because they they're overcooked, they're leathery, mm-hmm. uh, they, they they're often browned. The minute you brown an egg, you've just lost lost my respect entirely. That's it. It's over. Well, it's then over. you will not be over at my place for brunch anytime <gasps> no, soon. So, Signa, we just have a quick minute left, but I wanted to uh, share with the listeners that it's very confusing at the grocery store. So let's be yeah, honest. Yeah. Most of the people, myself included, um, I'm going to the grocery store for my eggs. I can sometimes afford to maybe pay that extra dollar for yeah. a better quality egg. Um I tend to buy ones that say cage free. I get a little confused. They also sometimes say free run. Yeah. So we, what okay. should we look for? You look for cage free is good. Okay. Okay. That's the least we can do for the ladies, right? Okay. Get them out of these horrible cages. Um, but free run, free range, they don't mean all that much. They're oh. not in cages. Okay. But they are crammed by the thousand on open barn floors. Uh, they don't necessarily get outside. They may have access to outside, but that could be a doggy door. Oh, okay. and they may not use it. So, uh, so cage free is better than free than, run or free no, no. Run? Cage free is better than caged. Okay, that's all I can say for that. Okay, um, the very, very best mm-hmm. is pastured. That's your, you're going to get that at farm gates. You're going to get that at uh, farmers markets. But you're going to ask: Are these pastured? Okay. Are they really been outside? Mm-hmm. Those eggs are not only is the ethical standard way, way, way better. That egg is a healthier egg for you because those birds have eaten a ton more grass. So the omega threes in that egg is like two, three times. Okay. It's just a healthier product. It's right. a healthier food. It's like grass-fed beef. All right. So we can have access to pastured eggs. Otherwise, Go try and it. find the cage-free. Try and find cage-free. Free run, free range. It's a step above cage-free. Okay. Thank That's you, Sigma. All. Thank you so much. Uh, her book is called Happy Hens and Fresh Eggs. Thanks for your texts as well. And uh, when we come back after the break, if you've ever thought about investing in a piece of art or wondering how you could be that person who picks up some sweet deal and then becomes a billionaire, ah, I might have tips for you. You're listening to The Page Hen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Taking a quick break. Back after this. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to catch up on podcasts of the show, you can always find them online. Uh, They are in uh, the iTunes store for free to download. Also, you can find it on my website, 
paychen.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. There are many ways to find me. And that uh, my Twitter and Instagram, at paychen. And uh, always happy to interact with you there. Um, Claire Taylor is the show director for The Artist Project. Hi, Claire. Hi there, how are you? I am doing great. So now The Artist Project, uh, it's been going on for a couple of years, and I know, so it's taking place February 18th to the 21st. That's correct. It's starting uh, this Thursday night with an opening night party and ending on Sunday, the 21st, and it's at the Better Living Center at Exhibition Place. So now what is The Artist Project? Artist Project is an annual art fair. We have over 250 artists exhibiting and selling their work. No, are these for the most part um, like up and coming artists, young, you know, young people that are just sort of starting their careers or are these like really established artists? A little bit of both. I mean, we absolutely have emerging artists, up and coming talent, and there's more established artists there as well. And the artists are all working in a range of mediums. We have painting, photography, illustration, and some of the more newer mediums like digital media, sculpture, installation. Now, if people are interested in buying art, like I, I'm not, uh, I definitely don't go around buying much art, but I like the idea of it. I can appreciate, I can look at something and say, <laughs> oh, that's really beautiful. But, you know, sometimes I look at the price tag and something might be, you know, very inexpensive. It could be a photograph, for example, that someone right. took that I love and it might be, uh, you know, $50. And then I might see a, a painting that, uh, you know, is in is thousands of dollars. So mm -hmm. for someone who is, let's say, fairly new and is thinking, you know, I've got this blank wall that could use something. What should we keep in mind if we want to buy a piece of art, uh, hoping that we're getting some sort of value for it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's always something that's on people's minds because you want to make sure that you're getting something that you love and you're going to have in your life for a long time. I do think when you're, you're coming to a place like Artist Project, it's great because you can speak with artists directly and so already the purchase if you're looking to buy something is something a bit more meaningful and has a bit more um you know it's a bit more personal in your life now what so i guess what do you need to know when you're buying art like are there certain tips if someone's brand new and they're thinking i want to buy something this year yeah i, I mean there's always some tips i would say you want to do your research and look around and kind of get to know some of the the, you know, the art world in terms of going to some galleries and going to art fairs as well, maybe some studio spaces. And then I do think you want to look for something that you love and that you, something that intrigues you. Mm -hmm. And in terms of investment, I think it's one of those things you, you really do want to look at um, something that has, you know, that you love. And hopefully over time, it does appreciate in value. But of course, it's you know, you never know. You can't say, like, oh, this is for sure going to hold this investment. Right. Well, I think uh, probably most people that I know, when they buy a piece of art, it's just because they like it and they want something, mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to put on their wall. I think there's a different group of people who like to think that holding on to it for a while might mean that it um, really, um, mm -hmm. that it appreciates in value. So for someone who's looking at it maybe from an investment standpoint, are there certain, you know, certain pieces or certain types of art that tend to lend, uh, you know, towards a, a good investment piece a little bit more? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's already artists that are quite well known in the art world. And I think if you want to have something that is, you know, from a more famous, more established artist. 
and you can't afford their larger work, then you can definitely start smaller and purchase like at a smaller price point and smaller work. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, I think looking at emerging artists, I think that's probably a great way to, you know, find art at a much more accessible price point. Now, what are some of the art trends for 2016? I didn't really know that. Uh, and I guess it makes sense that art itself also, you know, has like hot moments and certain trends each year. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it is kind of like fashion, you know, some things come in and out. And with art, I would say some things that are very popular right now are really bright, vibrant works that really are have some visual interest and some impact and mm -hmm. drama. And then I also think text-based art, which is interesting because, you know, with all the social media going on, we're all much more interested in language and the way language is used in art. So I would say those are my top two trends. Okay. And so if somebody's going down to check out um, the artist project, what can they expect there? Well, we have an opening night party presented mm -hmm. by CIBC happening on Thursday, and that's a really fun night. We've got DJs and art performances and lots of caterers. And then on Friday night at the show, we're having an art battle, which is live competitive painting. That's a pretty fun event to go to as well. And then, you know, just getting to know the artists and, and meeting them and, and seeing the installations. We've got a large-scale installation that's 110 feet long. So that's oh. going to be pretty impressive. That will fit um, in someone's home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's just um, that's just to get some some drama right. for the show. Yeah. So if someone is interested in purchasing art, then it's a good place to go. But I guess what is the price range? It, from fifty dollars up to I would say like the max max at Artist Project would be ten thousand. But okay. I'd say most are around five hundred to mm -hmm. two thousand. So okay. really accessible price point. But if someone is looking for something unique and original, I mean something around fifty dollars or a hundred dollars is yeah. uh, like a, a, quite a steal. Absolutely, it's definitely a great place to to start a collection or also add to your collection. Now, who are the artists? Are they all? Are they local? Are they Canadian? Uh, who are the yeah. people there? We have a lot of artists coming from across Canada, mm -hmm. um, a lot from Ontario as well. And then we have artists coming from as far as Melbourne, Australia this oh, year, cool. which is really exciting. Yeah. Now, how so do you slowly, choose? People are starting to learn about our show all yeah. over the world, which is great. Well, I'm sure that exposure um, at the show, if you're an up-and-coming artist, can be really great, you know, because you're, yes. you're being exposed to people who actually want to know more about art and who want to purchase it. So mm -hmm. how do you select who is going to be there with their work? We have a jury. Mm -hmm. So we, we have a selection committee made up of art and design experts, and we change the jury every year just to make sure that the show stays fresh and dynamic and and they select the artist oh, okay so is it like they apply or are they nominated how does that i'm just thinking there yeah. might be someone listening who is a budding artist and thinks this might be a great platform Absolutely. for them in the future yeah. of course yeah they apply so we are always looking for new artists to join the show and and there's an application and then we have a jury um in september Oh, okay, perfect. So if yeah. they're if they're if someone is interested in, in maybe being a part of it for next year, then yeah. they can get their yeah. stuff together uh, this year and do it. Okay, that's perfect. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Claire.
Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. So that's, uh, if you want to find out more information about the show, it is taking place uh, starting on Thursday at the Better Living Centre at Exhibition Place. And the website is artistproject.com. Um, I just want to recap something I was talking about off the top of the show. And um, that was the the opportunity for people, if they want to, to um, volunteer and kind of be a buddy, be a friend, be someone to to help out uh, some of the new Syrian refugees that have come to our city. A lot of them, the government-sponsored refugees, have been staying in hotels. And you've probably read a lot of uh, and heard a lot of different stories about it because there's been um, there there have been mixed stories about it. Just because there some of them have been lacking um, some basics and uh, and have needed uh, you know some donations. And there's just been a little bit of I don't, you know, there's a lot of people who are working really hard at, at various agencies to help them settle in. But the the reality is um, there's a lot of families and a lot of individuals who are um, staying at hotels and who need to be finding their own housing and who need to, you know, get outfitted for this weather and, you know, who might need some supplies. Um, and I have a lot of people who've been asking me how they can help and how they can drop things off because I've um, I've put it out there a lot on social media that uh, I'm part of a group who is privately sponsoring a family. Our family hasn't arrived yet, but um, in the meantime, uh, we've started volunteering with um, some of the government-sponsored refugees. And you can do that really easily if you think that you might like to take someone out for a day, show them neighborhood or maybe... Um, because you can look into finding housing for them. You could, you know, help them look up on Craigslist or Kijiji. Just basically think of it as knowing a friend who's arrived in the city, who doesn't know their way around, who might need help getting certain things, and you're just offering to show them the city, show them why you love Toronto and the great things. And so if you and there's a lot of families, too, that I'm sure would love to meet some Canadian kids and spend a day... Oh, tobogganing or skating, something like that. So if you're interested, you can always email um, hostrefugees, with an S at the end, at gmail.com. Um, and I'll tell you more about the young man that I have been, um, that I've met last night, and my group is sort of helping him out as well. And you can follow along on my social media. So Chen at Chen on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Paychen.com is the website. Stay warm this weekend. I hope you enjoy your day off on family day if it's a holiday for you. And I'll be back next Saturday at 3.